We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Omani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. But you know, the Bible says in Romans 10, uh, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, you know, life, uh, when you're going to see as Christians, uh, a lot of us here have some real big mountains to move. Uh, God has a challenge for us. God has a calling for us. A lot of us here, we're standing in the gap for our children. We're praying for our marriages. Uh, maybe it's uh, someone who's sick. Um, we're praying for our country. And, and what we need is we really need the Lord to work. And the Lord will work when His people pray and when they really believe. You know, and I don't know what the situation is that you're going through in life. I know that when I look at Elijah, and we're going to see today, he's taken away and then he passes the baton to a man by the name of Elisha. I see two guys that made a difference in their country. In their country. And you know, um, not only that, of course, there were other lies that are going to be involved. It could be a Shulamite woman or something, but... You know, I, I mean, sometimes we might look at our own life and we think, well, I can't make a difference in my country. Oh, yes, you can. Um, I think when we learn the lessons from Elijah and Elisha, when we learn the lesson of faith, faith in God who is alive, the God who made everything, the God who can call fire down from earth, the, the God who wants his people to Repent. I mean, that, that God, when we have faith in Him, then we know it. God will do a great work. And so we're going to see today that, you know, when Elisha goes up to the River Jordan, he says, hey, where's, uh, where's uh, the God of Elijah? And, and really the better question is, where are the Elijahs? If, uh, if you want to be that type of person, you're like, God work in me, God work through me, I know that I'll only be satisfied when I live my life for your purpose, then I think you're going to learn, you're going to get blessed in our study tonight. We're going to go through a couple of chapters, so we're not going to like go in depth, but I think this story, it's just so cool, it unfolds, and the lessons are so beautiful. Uh, today we went to a fellowship over at Calvary Chapel Downey, and uh, Pastor Don McClure was teaching. There was probably about maybe 50, 60 uh, pastors that were there. And he told uh, the, the story, and you guys probably more know more details about this, but you know, he's sharing with us about the power of the Hoover Dam. And uh, um, just amazing, amazing story, the, the way that that whole thing was built. And, uh, and he was just talking about how it's, it's a man-made structure, and then Lake Mead. Have any of you ever been to Lake Mead, out of curiosity? And they do the everything there. They go fishing, they do jet skis, they do water skis, um, you know, everything you can do in the lake and all the fun that you can have with that water, you know, people are engaged in. He said, but that wasn't the purpose of that entire structure. The purpose of the structure was to give power to California, Nevada, and Arizona. And, and it was kind of a lesson, and he was just kind of sharing with us how a lot of times we're, we're missing our purpose. You know, we're having fun, whatever, jet skiing, water skiing, fishing, I don't know, whatever it is, the peripherals, the things that really are not eternal, a lot of times. And, and really, there's a greater purpose for this structure. There's a greater power that God wants us to be engaged in. And just, I pray that we would never lose sight of that, you guys. Uh, I always want to encourage you that God wants to use your life, that God has a calling on your life, that God has given you gifts, that you are part of the body. And the devil has a plan, and he wants to get you distracted and busy doing a lot of other things. But God wants to bring it all into focus. And I pray that we would learn that tonight from these guys, Elijah and Elisha. Look what you read in verse 1. It says, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, 
Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now, therefore, says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. And when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, Why have you come back? And so they said to him, A man came up to meet us and said to us, Go, return to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And then he said to them, What kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these things? And so they answered, A hairy man <laughs> wearing a leather belt, around his waist and he said ha it is elijah the tishbite ahaziah was the son of ahab uh, and he definitely learned from his father ahab was a wicked king he through jezebel's help introduced baal worship to israel and so now he's up on his rooftop. In those days, they would, you know, kick it on the roof. And uh, one day, he falls through the lattice. He falls off, and he injures himself. And he, 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 he takes a pretty big spill. And so he's in bed. He's not doing good. And he sends some guys, and he says, why don't you go over to Ekron, that's in Philistine country, uh, and find out from the god Beelzebub whether I'm going to survive from this fall. And so these guys are on their way, and, uh, and the angel of the Lord speaks to Elijah, and he says, I want, you to go, I want you to go talk to these guys. And I want you to tell them right there, he says, that he's not going to come down from the bed to which he went up, but he's, he's going to die. And so Elijah goes, and he sends a message. They go back. Uh, the king's kind of surprised that they're back so soon. Hey, how come you guys are back so soon? And he says, well, this is what happened. The guy gave us a message for you. <laughs> he said, you know, you said you're going to die. And the king's like, well, who said it? What kind of man was he? And they said, well, he was a hairy man. <laughs> and uh, he had a leather belt around his waist. And so the king knew it was. Ahaziah knew it was. He knew that it was Elijah. You know, it's interesting. In verse 4, he says, now therefore, thus says the Lord. Um, in verse uh, 7, therefore, you shall not come down. Ekron. I mean, why would they go to Ekron? You guys remember the story when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant? And they took the Ark of the Covenant to Ekron. That was one of the Philistine cities. And the living God, the real God, Jehovah God, just began to wipe the city out. I mean, God, the real God, had proven himself, you know, to the people in Akron. God had proven himself to the people of Israel. If you remember, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, God brought down fire from heaven, licked up the sacrifice, all the water around it. God has proven himself. God has proven himself why are you going to Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies? Why are you going there and, you know, seeking that counsel? Why are you going anywhere other than God? You know, I was talking to one brother today and he was telling me about how one uh, married couple, uh, they got so desperate, the wife got so desperate that she went, rather than going to God for her marriage, she went to a fortune teller. It's kind of the same thing. And so the Lord intercepts him and he says, you know, just for that, just because of that, just for that reason, and we're going to see it articulated even more explicitly later, because you didn't seek the Lord first, you're going to die. 
And that's what we see right here. It's an incredible thing. You know, it's a lesson for us, I think. In one sense, they didn't believe in God. You know, and people can say they believe in God, but they're, in many ways, they're practical atheists. Not positional. If they gave him a piece of paper, do you believe in God? They would say yes, but he doesn't really like lead them and guide them. A lot of times, they don't have that relationship with him. And so in one sense, they're kind of like what we might describe as practical atheists. You know, we need to be careful, you guys, and I want to encourage you to really, truly go to the Lord. You know, before you go to the phone, you go to the throne. You know what I'm talking about? Really go to the Lord. If you're sick or something's wrong with your body or something's wrong with that relationship, really go to the Lord. Do not exalt man. Don't go in the wrong direction. You know, even King Asa, he was a godly king. If you remember, he wasn't a perfect king, but even the Bible describes him as a good king. But the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 12, that in the 39th year of his reign, he became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not, did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. And so does that mean you can't go to the doctor? No, go ahead and go to the doctor. But first, pray. And remember, the Lord is the one who gives them wisdom, right? You know, what we see right here is uh, these guys, this king, Ahaziah, made a grave mistake because God had shown himself strong. And I wonder, in your life, has God ever shown himself strong? Has there ever been a time in your life where you can honestly say, you know what, it was Holy God. God has proven that he's alive. You know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of us here, probably most of us here can say, you know, maybe I know for me, with the day that I got saved, you know, when I was addicted to drugs, when I was addicted to everything that you could possibly be addicted to, the day that I got saved and God just totally changed my life, I always look back to that day and it doesn't matter how hard life gets, I know there's a God. Not only that, we know, of course, the resurrection from the dead. That's really the sign of all signs. God has proven himself to us. So don't doubt him. Don't doubt him. You go to him. He's a real God. He's a living God. You know, and that's unfortunately what had happened to Israel. They're going to be held accountable for that. They didn't believe in him, even though he had shown himself to them. And so the Lord begins to judge, and we see that here. It's interesting, in verse 7, uh, when they go back to the king, he said to them, what kind of man was it who came up to meet you? And that's an interesting question, huh? What kind of man? Like, let's just say you guys ever had the conversation, you, hey, you ran into this guy, and you're trying to figure out who it was. What kind of man was he? What kind of man? Oh, he was a uh, Belon or whatever. He was, you know... A lot of times, oh, he's, you know, whatever, you know, and you got your skinny jeans. I don't know, whatever your description is of the man, right? And a lot of times we're describing the outward part. Oh, yeah, he was hairy and he had a leather belt. And uh, I think it would have been better for them to say he was a godly man. You know, rather than just looking on the outside, you know, to look at what's, what's really going on, what kind of man, what kind of man was he? Because if they would have began to say the right thing, like, you know what, when he spoke, I knew it was the Lord, or, or whatever it was, the spiritual discernment that sometimes is given to us, if they would talk about those things instead, then maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it would have changed lives. But they just said, oh, he's hairy. You know, I, I don't think he's ever had a haircut. And uh, he's got a real leather belt, you know. And so anyways, the king knew it was Elijah, and so what does he do in verse 9? And the king sent, him to, sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. And so he went up to him, and there he was sitting on the top of a hill, and he spoke to him, Man of God, the king has said, come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. 
Then he sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty men. And he answered and said to him, Man of God, thus has the king said, Come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And so I don't know if you guys can visualize that or think, you know, there's Elijah sitting on the top of the hill. He's probably spending time with God. He's probably in fellowship with the Lord. And here comes this captain, this guy, he just, you know, he's just all full of himself. He's got his 50 men and, you know, he sees no challenge whatsoever in front of him. And he says, man of God, get down here, right? And so, I don't know, I mean, can you picture this? Elijah just kind of looks and he says, well, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you, and, and it did. And so, you know, they, they go back to the king, or somehow the king finds out, and, and so, you know, he's, that's weird. Was it lightning, a fluke? You know, and he sends another 50, and, and the same thing happens. You know, and it's interesting how they address him, and to me, it, it really gave me insight into what was going on here. Uh, a man of God, thus has this, the king said, you know, come down quickly. And, uh, and here's what I think. I think that they were like those people who, who give lip service. Um, but they, are, they don't really believe what they said. They called him a man of God. Question, is he a man of God or not? I don't think they believed it. They're just like, huh, man of God. If I'm a man of God, man of God, if I'm a man of God. And, and you know, I think it would have been different if they would have believed it. You know, to me, and I know this may sound a little weird to you, but I think the first part of our chapter is people who were doubting the God of man. And I think the second part of our chapter is people who are doubting the man of God. And I think in one sense, you need both. You know, not that you exalt the man, but that you know God called him and God commissioned him. And so here, you know, these guys are like, man of God, man of God. They didn't believe he was a man of God, and Elijah proved he was a man of God. Now, some of them might wonder, well, why did God allow fire to come down from heaven? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that harsh? Well, you know, it always depends on the context. We know in the New Testament, Jesus didn't allow James and John to bring fire down in Samaria because, you know, it, it was a totally different scenario. They did not have what this, you know, army had. They did not have the proof that this army had. No, sometimes we think of God and we think, well, God will never kill anybody. Yes, he will. He does it all the time. He kills people. Ananias and Sapphira, total hypocrites, dead. You know, Nadab and Abihu, offering profane fire. God, God killed them. I know people. I mean, I'm sure you know you do too. And of course, we don't know for sure. There are some that are like, I'm not sure. And those, we don't even think about that. But then that one right there, that, that left his family and abandoned his family. Uh, that one, yeah, God killed him. You know, God still does that. You know, a lot of people think, well, God doesn't have got a judgment like that. And fire, that's just an Old Testament thing. No, as a matter of fact, when God judges the earth, when the final judgment comes, you guys know it's not going to happen by water, right? That's why we get the beautiful rainbows, because God says, I'm not going to judge the the earth by water. And so you're like all happy. Oh, cool. God's not going to judge. Oh, yeah, he's going to do, do it different. <laughs> when, when he raptures the church out, he will judge this wicked world and with, with, with heat. We think it's probably going to be some kind of a nuclear thing. 
Second Peter talks about it, this fervent heat, like fire. And then what happens when people reject Christ? I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Where do they end up? In the lake of fire. Maybe you don't know the real God. This is the real God. He's a holy God. He's the God of man and he has men of God. And I think a lot of times we just we don't really believe these things. We don't understand the, 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 way, the structure of God's kingdom. These guys didn't. Man of God, come down here. Get down here, you. Uh, you know who? I, am I really? Dude. And, and so the third guy, I think he believes. And so we read in verse 13 that again he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and he fell on his knees before Elijah and he pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, do you think he believed? He was, yeah, I think he believed. Please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s with their 50s. But let my life now be precious in your sight. You see, the previous couple of captains came in all their authority, but this man came in with a heart of humility. He believes Elijah is a man of God, and he asks him to value the lives of the 50 servants, your servants, you know? And uh, he just says, man, have, have grace on us. I got to do what my king told me to do, but man, I'm doing it with humility. And so Elijah is directed by the Lord. In verse 15, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. And so he arose and went down with him to the king. And he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers. Notice again, this is why. Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron. Is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Ahaziah died, according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken, because he had no son. Jehoram, that's his brother, became king in his place. In the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And so we learn, huh? I, I know, to me, you guys, it's a, it's a lesson of faith. I mean, it's a lesson of uh, going to the Lord. You know, it's a lesson of God's holiness. It's a lesson even of knowing about not only the, the God of man, but the man of God. And it's a crazy lesson, you know? This guy right here, ended up suffering the ultimate punishment in that he died. You know, and we learn about uh, faithlessness. Uh, we learn about faithfulness. Look what we read next in chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And so he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 
And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. It's interesting, you know, and there's so many lessons, you guys. Um, if you're a parent here today, all of us here, we can have an influence on somebody. I know that Ahab, as a dad, had a terrible influence on his son Ahaziah, and it caused him to die, it caused others to die. The whole country suffered as a result of the father's influence, negative influence on his son. Here we have what might be considered to be a positive influence. Um, Elijah and Elisha. Do you guys ever get mixed up with those guys? Elijah, say that, Elijah, Elisha, we know them, right? And, uh, you know, um, Elijah had Elisha as his servant for six years. And uh, he was one of those guys, one of those servants. He saw God's hand on Elijah, and I guess that was kind of easier to see. You know, so he just stuck with him like glue. Kind of like Joshua and Moses. You know, Joshua and Moses... Moses couldn't get rid of Joshua. Joshua was always by him. Here we have Elisha and Elijah. And Elijah's like, okay, Elisha, I got to go. So I'll tell you what, um, stay here. And Elisha says, I'm not leaving you. As the Lord lives, I'm not leaving you. And so he goes to the next city, okay, then stay here. Aren't you tired now? <laughs> no, as the Lord lives, I'm not leaving you. You know, and next city, next city. And we're going to see even those cities are very significant. But you'd figure he'd be tired by now, and, and he's not. You know, he's just sticking to him. And, and a lot of people believe that Elisha was being tested. He's being tested. You know, are you going to take the easy route out? Are you going to split? Um, I don't know. All I know is that Elisha is cool because he's such a believer. He's such a believer. You know, and I, and I really want to encourage you. You're like, well, how, you know, and I, just the situations that are going on in your life. You know, and, the, and sir, some of you here, the enemy might be having a field day with you. And you need faith. You need faith to lift up that shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, we need faith to go forward. We need faith to move mountains. We need Faith, and it's so cool when you have someone like Elisha as an example, because we're going to see that he's getting tested and he's passing these tests. And, you know, everybody, the rumor is that Elijah's going to be taken away. And so, you know, he sticks with him. He sticks with him. He sticks with him. Elisha was a believer. And we're going to see, so Elisha was a receiver. And, you know, when we got saved, it was by faith. Now that we want to get sanctified, it's going to be by faith. Whatever it is that God wants, it's impossible to please God without faith. You know, nothing's impossible. Jesus said, if you believe, do you believe? Elisha believed. You know, and so what ends up happening, it says in verse 8, now Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up and struck the water. Now, I wonder how he rolled it up. You know, like, have you guys ever done that to each other? Like, you roll up your towel and you go, Tah! like that. Do you guys ever do that? I thought, well, maybe he did that. Or he could have rolled it up and just gone out of the water, Tah! like that. I don't know. But he strikes the water with his mantle. Uh, that's the prophet's, prophet's uh, jacket. And, uh, and what ends up happening is this man is so cool it says, and it was divided this way and that way so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire, I mean, that's so cool, huh? A chariot of fire 
appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Interesting. He tears them into two pieces. You know, so Elisha passed the test until Elijah finally looks at him and he says, okay, ask, ask, what do you want? And what would you say? You know, if the Lord said to you, ask, ask, you know, right there in verse uh, 9, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? You know, what would we say? You know, for me, maybe, you know, a bigger building or a bigger budget or a bigger, you know, body. That'd be cool, you know. Or, you know, show me how to open and close the heavens. I like that trick that you do when you make it rain and make it stop raining. Or tell you what, maybe you can show me, you know, how to call fire down from, you know, heaven or split the Jordan or, or you know, whatever, provide oil. I mean, he could have asked for stuff like that. You know, but Elisha is much wiser. He knows the key for all those things uh, is working, God's power working in us and through us. So Elisha, don't you guys like what he asked for there? It says in verse 9, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And you know what? That's, there's a lot said there. One thing he's saying is Elijah... I know it's not you. I know it's God. That's cool. That's the Spirit of God. I know that, right? And it's interesting to me that Elijah doesn't ask for, you know, kind of the same portion. Like, hey, this guy right here, Elijah, he's this huge, you know? I, I would just ask, like, can I have some of that, you know? Or can I have, like, the same spirit you have? But isn't it cool how the Lord leads them to ask for a double portion. You know, and to me, I'm like, man, this guy had faith, right? You know, and, and the fascinating thing about all this is that when it's all said and done, when you guys read through, we're going to see Second Kings, Elisha ends up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah. And it's, it's just, to me, it's just so cool. You know, so many lessons that we learn. You know, here we are tonight, and you're like, well, what do I ask for? Well, how about, you know, a double portion of the Holy Spirit? How about a triple portion of the Holy Spirit, you know? How about, Lord, just, you know, drench me in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit? You know, we need to believe in God. We need to believe in a certain sense in the men of God, but we need to really believe and receive the Spirit of God, right? It's the Spirit of God that we need. You know, Jesus was there and he had to leave. And can you imagine Jesus having to leave? I mean, you're with Jesus for three, three and a half years and he's giving you fish tacos and he's paying your taxes for you and he's just the, the greatest teacher and lover and just everything. And he says, I got to go. No, Lord, why do you have to go? He says, it'll be better for you if I go. Because if I go, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. You know, when John came baptizing, it was such an impressive ministry. And everybody was beginning, wow, so cool. People were coming from all around. You know, it was one of those churches that were really hard to find. But they found it. And so, you know, John, you know, just let everybody know, I want you to know, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming is mightier than me. I'm not worthy to unloose his sandal strap. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I think that, that a lot of times we, we forget what to ask for, you know, and, you know, to articulate, Lord, I want more of you in my life. You know, we as Calvary Chapel, you know, we got the dove here, and what's that all about? We don't worship that icon, but it's a reminder of us. 
And I'm always reminded. Today, before we came in, I was praying with some of the guys, just praying, Lord, what can we do without you? Nothing. Nothing. But Lord, by your Spirit, bless these beautiful people. Change their life. Strengthen them. Give them wisdom. You know, and, and it's got to come from our heart. It has to be that cry of our heart. Have you been praying? Have you been looking? Have you been believing for the person and power of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, Jesus said to do that in Luke chapter 11. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Right? And, and he talks about that whole thing there. Real quick, turn to Luke 11 because I, I think it's so cool the way this unfolds. Because I just, I mean, you know, here we are. I think that a lot of us, this is what we've been lacking in our life. There is no power in your walk a lot of times. And here in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so he gave them kind of a, a model prayer. You don't have to say it verbatim, but I tell you what, you begin to look at those principles and you just, you just begin to worship and know you're talking to and you know just dealing with things, right? And in verse 5, he said, and, and which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. Then he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So your friend comes over, it's midnight. What do you normally do? Shh. <laughs> Don't answer the door. They'll probably go away. But they keep doing it. They keep doing it. I, you know, and I have to confess to you, sometimes my dog will, in the wee hours of the morning, you know, he's getting older, I guess, and he'll start like whimpering, and then before you know it, he starts barking, and I got to get up and let him out. If he just does it once, I let it go. But if he's persistent, you know, then I have to make, you know, some decisions, you know. And, and so, you know, that's what the Lord is saying. Persistence. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. When you're, when you're seeking, what are you seeking for? Him. He said, when you seek after me, you'll find me. And when you're knocking, what are you knocking for? You're knocking for open doors of ministry, opportunity. But when you're asking, what are you asking for? Who are you asking for? We're going to see that here. Verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. For, and then he just, now he just starts talking about asking. This, the, for the rest of it, it's just all about asking. It's just focusing on asking. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, like for example, this last Sunday, my son, I think it was my son, my daughter, maybe it was both of them, they wanted to go to IHOP. IHOP. And I'm like, no way. I don't want to go to IHOP on a Sunday afternoon. But they really wanted an egg. And I thought about this right here. And I'm like, I'm a wicked dad, and I wanted to give them an egg. I really did. And so he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? Who? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Father talking to his children who are persistent in prayer, asking for the person and power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so, you know, and I, and I just want to encourage you, I know we don't have time to develop that as much as maybe we should, but man, don't grieve the Holy Spirit through sin and do not quench Him through doubt. And then you're going to receive that power that you need for God to carry you through life. Back into 2 Kings, that's what Elisha was asking for, a double portion of the Spirit. Elijah said, well, you've asked a tough thing, but if you see me taken away, then... You know, God's going to give you your request. And he, sure enough, he saw it. And the, kind of like the veil was untorn, and he saw the chariot of fire and horses of fire. It's a beautiful illustration, and we're going to see even something similar to that later on in the book of Second Kings. And so what happens in, in verse 13, we read, and he took up, after this whole thing, remember he just got done throwing his clothes, and he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him, and then they said to him, Look now, there are fifty strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord, and that's important, you circle that, the Spirit of the Lord. Remember, he's talking about this whole work is the Spirit of the Lord has taken him and cast him up into some mountain or some valley. And he said to them, you're, you're, You know, don't go, don't send anybody. I saw him go, but, you know, they kept urging him. It says in verse 17, until he was ashamed. And he said, okay, send them. And therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? And there's a lot here, you guys. You know, but, you know, when we see God here proving that Elijah had been taken up and Elisha had received the ministry. Remember, we saw that when Elijah was first called into the ministry in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Remember, Elijah took his mantle and he threw it on him and he called him, right? It was so cool to see that ends up happening. And so you look at that right here and it's so cool. We see that Elisha was real. God's power was real. And he knew that, that when that river parted, that that promise was given to him. You know, these guys right here, Elijah and Elisha, um, it's so cool to see them the way that they were. You know, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And again, the challenge for us today is where is the Elijahs? Where are the Elishas? Will that be you? Would you make a decision in your heart today to say, Lord, here am I. I I'm, James 5 says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He had all the struggles we had. But he began to pray. God did a work. I want to be that man. I know who I am apart from God. I'm not worthy and I'm not able. But I know who God is. See? And, and when we look at these guys, Elijah and Elisha, they were simple. They, they stood in the presence of the Lord. They knelt in the presence of the Lord. They were zealous for the living God. They were zealous for the people of God. They were simple, you know, you know, whatever, you know, leather belt. Um, didn't worry too much about his hair, I guess. Um, Ate locusts and wild honey, maybe? Like John the Baptist? I don't know. Real simple, but solid faith in the Lord, right? They were servants of God and they feared God and not men. And so they go, they search three days, can't find him, and then the miracles begin. In verse 19, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of this city is pleasant. In other words, it's kind of a nice city, right? As my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. Okay, so if you're living in a city 
nice city, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. It's not a good situation, right? And I was thinking about, you know, and for me, I, I like to take it personally, like maybe Almani. You know, I could just, I could do that. You can do that for whatever city you want to think of, but I think of Almani. I love this city. I love this city. But maybe, in one sense, like, you know, there's a couple of needs, man, like maybe the water's bad and the ground is barren. The word needs to go forth. And that word needs to go forth on, 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 on hearts that are broken up and fertilized and ready to receive the word. You know, so what does Elisha do? It's so cool. And he said in verse 20, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And so they brought it to him and then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. And so it was a lasting work. It says in verse 20, the water remains healed to this day according to the word of the Lord. So it's so cool. I mean, Elisha, I don't know like how, you're going to see he's pretty creative in the way that he does his miracles. But he says, give me a new bowl. Okay, I don't want one that they, you know, oatmeal out of already, man. A brand new bowl, throw some salt in it. You go find the source of the water, you throw it in there, and boom, it's healed, right? And we know in the Bible, you know, salt, it, it, what it symbolizes, it's the preservative, and it's also, uh, you know, a few other things. It makes you thirsty. The other day I went to the, the show, I ate my popcorn. Sure enough, I'm talking to my daughter, give me some of that Slurpee right there. She's all, no. I'm all, yes, you know. You know, because it makes you thirsty. And, and, and that's what we need to be. We need to be people like that. We need to be, uh, Jesus said, salt of the earth, right? He said in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. You are. Almani needs people. Are you salty? Are you salty? Right? We can't lose our flavor because then it's good for nothing. Right? But to be thrown down and trampled underfoot. So we have that saltiness, which is a preservative, which makes people thirsty for Jesus. And, and then in verse 23, he went up from there to Bethel and as he was going up from the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head. <laughs> go up, you bald head. In other words, they were telling him to go up like Elijah had gone up. They were telling him to, tell him to get rid of him, right? So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. And then he went from there to Mount Carmel and from there he returned to Samaria. And so you're looking at this and you're like, man, you know, that's pretty heavy. You know, a couple of guys, uh, you know, I mean, these young men, it's interesting to me to find out that the word uh, 76 times in the Hebrew is translated young men. And so uh, one time it's for a guy that's uh, clearly 27 years old, another time for a guy that's 36. And so most people believe that this was more like young men and they believe, believe it or not, it was more like a group of guys that were threatening him. And so, um, you know, that's the context. Don't think of, you know, as little kids. Not only that, it's, it's right here. He says, um, and the two female bears came out of the woods and they mauled the 42 ewes. And the word in the Hebrew is a cleave. And so they definitely cut them. It doesn't say for sure they killed them, although they might have, you know. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, God's a holy God. God's a holy God. And this is a man of God. It's a man of God. And so they come up, you know, you bald head, you know, go away like Elijah did. And what ends up happening is God, God did judge them. And so, you know, um, Geisler said, this is not a minor offense. These young men held God's prophet in contempt. And so they were coming against not just God's mouthpiece, but God. And so God gave them justice. Thank God he doesn't always do that, but he does that sometimes. Secondly, we've got to consider that these were not small, innocent children. They were more like young men gathered together to do some trouble. 
And then thirdly, we see that Elisha's actions were designed to strike fear in the hearts of any other types of men. And what that would do would then be what? A preventative medicine from them coming against any of the people of God. And so we've got to know these things, you guys. To me, it's cool in verse 25 that he went from there and then he ended up in Samaria. And what's Samaria? Samaria is the capital of Israel. Here's something that's interesting. Elisha was discipled and trained by Elijah, but he wasn't cloned by him. Elijah was anti-government, so to speak, while Elisha worked side by side with the government. He would work with the kings. And to me, it's just cool, and I, and I just love that, that you guys have to follow the Lord and be who he made you to be. You know, we don't get cloned into others' image. We are trained, we are blessed, but we are to be obedient to the calling that God places upon our life. And so I was going to share with you like 10 other things, but it's already 8.33 and I'm hungry. So... Um, <laughs> I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word, Lord. As I read it, I, I see a lot of people who were not believers. They didn't believe in the God of men. And I see others that were believers. Elisha and Elijah. And wow, what a work you did in them and through them. And Lord, I want to be, I want to be like that, Lord. I want to be a believer like Elijah and Elisha, to make a difference, Lord, in, in your church, in your city, Lord, in, in this country, Lord, even to the ends of the earth. And so I pray, Lord, that you would do that work in all of our hearts. Lord, bless your people as your word goes out. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just bring these things to remembrance and show us, Lord, please, how do we connect the dots? How do we pray and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? Lord, help us. I pray and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626 Four five four, three four one four. Remember that Jesus loves you.